Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I make up one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Ken Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. It's been a long time. <laughs> so, uh, happy new year. Let me start with that. And welcome to Potlicker Podcast. And I'm going to say, how are you doing, partner? Happy new year to you, Dr. A. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I'm well. My three weeks were good. <laughs> and... Um, how about yours? Um, I was fulfilled. We had a good Christmas, a good New Year's. Um, some news in my <laughs> personal life, uh, yeah. but I'm not going to get into that. Why not? Tell the people. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not. Maybe in a couple of weeks. Everybody know life be life in. Life but. be life in. Yeah. And um, uh, it feels good to be back on the air. Um you know, back in podcast land. And uh, those of you are, that are familiar with our work, you know, we start off with our wow for the week. Words of wisdom. Yes, it's our words of wisdom. And since it is <clears throat> Dr. King's birthday, we decided to go with a quote from him. So he has many, but today we pick, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as Fools. That's by Martin Luther King. And in the words of Rodney King, he's basically saying, can we just all get along? <laughs> um, and King, you know, was a renowned individual uh, who done who's who did a lot of great things for this country. That's why he deservingly gets this holiday. So, yes, uh, Dr. King just says this is a unifying message that we should all be together. What say you, partner? And Rodney King is uh, no relation. <laughs> just, to, just to be clear, no and relation. Neither one of them uh, with us <laughs> either. I know. Okay, so for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use. I, I agree with everything you said, and I'm gonna use Dr. King's own words to explain what this quote means to me. Dr. King also said, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. So basically, this means to me that we have to learn to live together in peace or else we, we ain't going to make it. 
We just basically, we got to figure it out. But the scary thing is, is that I think a lot of people would rather just blow everything up than to just share our resources and just make sure everybody has equal access to opportunities and the necessities of life. Some people would just rather just let it all go. And that's, the, again, that's the scary part. But I agree with you that these are indeed words of wisdom from Dr. King. We got to get it together, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, I also believe it takes effort if you want change. So you have to ask yourself individually, how or what are you doing to kind of mend the fences and mend the ties between different cultures? Like, how are you interacting with others, uh, socializing with others to let folks know that we basically all the same and it's easy for us to get along? How do we destroy these negative notions that we have about one another if we don't commune together? That would be nice. In a perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> Let us move on. Okay, so before we jump into what's going on, we will start with our first plug, which is our favorite product. And I switched really from a G4 to this new pre-workout. Um, it's called Ready to uh, Total War. It's uh, a pre-workout. I, I, I want to make sure everybody understands when I say this. Caffeine is really the main uh, ingredient in all these pre-charged uh, workout drinks. So you have mm -hmm. to be careful of your intake. Mm -hmm. um, and this one has an, a high intake of 365. And I don't suggest this for everybody. Um, uh, I suggest it for those who really, really go hard in the gym and are working out like every day. Like you? You don't have to take it every day either. You do get the tingly feeling in your body, like that little itch. Um, and there's no major crash or anything like that. But if you're working out in the gym heavy, like if you're lifting weights and you're doing a lot of cardio and you're taking a lot of classes, like you're in the gym for like two plus hours, I would say, yeah, this is. But if you're only going to be in the gym for 20 minutes, no way. Don't take this uh, because it'll have you bouncing off the walls. Uh, but um, I do like it. You can do your due diligence and check it out to make sure it's a healthy fit for you. So this is Total War. Not loving the name, but it's like they feel like you're in war when you're in the gym and you're working out. So it's a pre-workout. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. How many ounces is one uh, bottle and do you drink the whole thing before you work out? I do drink the whole thing. I think it's 16 ounces. Mm. Um, I do. You drink. just it's like a, drink it's it a down. Clear, it's a clear liquid with a good flavor. It, 
I, I get the grape one. I haven't seen the watermelon yet because mm-hmm. I would, you know, because all oh, my folks like chicken. And, but, you know, I, I, I would get the watermelon because I like that flavor. But one of my favorite flavors, even back in the Kool-Aid days, has always been grape. So um, grape is good. And um, so far, there's some benefits um, that I'm seeing. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. All right. right. And let us move on. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? All right. What's going on? There's a lot going What's on. What's happening? There's a lot going on. So, unless you've been hiding under a rock, <laughs> um, Cat Williams went on Club Shay Shay. Club Shay Shay is hosted by uh, Shannon Sharp, uh, the former uh, NFL football player. And have Hi, you man. checked the numbers lately? I have. Do you know it's almost it's it's like forty nine million views. So it's at forty nine million views. So a in lot eleven of, days. Yeah, in eleven days, forty nine million. So a lot of people have seen this, um, right. and have commented on it. Uh, I'm going to start by saying, people love gossip, and I think this is all this was. Cat Williams was uh, spewing his truths as he believed them to be about other uh, players in Hollywood, actors, actresses in Hollywood, mainly actors. He, he commented on Steve Harvey, Ricky Smiley, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Kevin Hart, uh, Jonathan Majors, Tiffany Haddish. Um, he went on down. Faison. He went on down the line. Um, mm-hmm. And he had his different opinions. Some people felt he came off bitter. Uh, some people was saying he was right on point. Um, Ari Spears, who was a comedian, had a comment back. It's like he didn't really saying like he really didn't do anything. This is unnecessary. Our folks just tearing each other, tearing one another down. We should stop doing that. This is comedian Ari Spears. And he said, what Kat says is not going to hurt Kevin Hart. It's not going to hurt Steve Harvey, Cedric. All these guys will will still be working. And um, yeah, but some people took and backed him with receipts. And I don't know. What was your take on it? I can't see. Okay, there you go. I can't see. I couldn't see you for a second. Um, so this 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 interview, or as uh Shannon Sharp called it, this conversation that he had with Cat Williams was two hours and 46 minutes, and I watched the whole thing twice. I watched it. Well, I listened to it on, uh, I think, Spotify or a podcast player before it even came out at 12 o'clock the day that it came out. And then I watched it on YouTube. 
So I can say, I mean, I watched, I was engaged the entire time and it went by so fast. I couldn't believe I was watching this for almost three hours. It was very entertaining. I have to say that first of all, it was very entertaining, which I think was the primary purpose in my opinion. Um, I would have to say it was riveting. I think it was, it was part, part entertainment, like part performance by Cat Williams, part truth telling, part hyperbole and over-exaggeration and with a couple of probably outright fabrications sprinkled throughout. Um, and I think the funniest line was when he said that his whole goal <laughs> was to escape from the, uh, survive, survive the industry with a virgin butthole and not having um, sucked anybody's penis or had his penis sucked. So I just, I mean, that was just shocking. It was like just crazy, outrageous and funny at the same time. So um, that was probably the, you know, the thing that had the biggest impression on me. Like that was just crazy. Like the stuff that he said, that's why I think basically he was just selling wolf tickets to me. Um, I, I I don't know. Some of the accusations he made were, were very strong. Like I think the strongest one was made uh, against Cedric the Entertainer, saying that everybody knows Cedric doesn't write his own jokes. Um, and that's that was a huge accusation. Um, he I guess you and I talked him talk <clears throat> talking about stealing mark curry's idea steve harvey that for is his show, right. from his show that that's a strong accusation too um the comments back by everybody didn't disprove what cat williams said right um, I, mean, I think right. they just like ricky smiley was very careful because he brought his attorney on and i'm like why did he need to do that i did like Ricky Smiley's response to this thing about black men wearing a dress and it kind of like emasculating or taking away their masculinity if mm. they put on a dress because he went back to Geraldine, he went to uh, Richard Pryor. I mean, Flip, Flip, Flip Wilson, Wilson played Geraldine. Mm -hmm. Richard Pryor, who was all of these folks. Um, I think Harry, was Harry Belafonte in? address to i think in which way is up or if it it was the uh another individual uh, but ricky smiley said they do it for laughter and it's a character and it's funny uh he says that hasn't you know because he says he plays a woman well but he says that has nothing to do with my masculinity or my manhood right it's, it's the bit um because dave Chappelle once talked about it too and I never really got that. I'm like, if it's comedy, that's funny. Uh, just like if a woman played a man, that could be funny too. Right. I mean, I I, I think that I think it's funny. If it's funny, it's funny. Um, but I think this this is this is my whole point. For him to attack other comedians like that, I I didn't think that was really necessary. I didn't think it was cool. And to me, it just kind of he he basically confirmed what the opposition said about him, like what those comedians say about him sometimes, which is that 
he just seems bitter, angry, and resentful that he has not attained the same level of success that some of those comedians that he attacked have attained. And and so it is it, it's like what, what what's you know what it's it's like he has a Napoleon he, complex he, or something. He, we only saying that because of his height. I don't think that his attack on Cedric and Steve was wrong. Cedric the Entertainer, if he stole, if Cedric the Entertainer stole his joke, and then Steve Harvey and Cedric came to apologize to Cat, and Cat let it slide for like a decade, and then 10 years later, 11 years later, they come out and they say they are the originators of the joke. Um, I don't have a problem with him attacking them, saying, like, they stole my joke. Um, I don't have a problem with him saying, you know, they didn't like Bernie. You know, I didn't have a problem with them saying that, uh, him saying that Steve Harvey stole Mark Curry's um, I think that's just information that he just exposed folks. And oh, what um, though? Why? I mean, because that's he not didn't like add to your stature. No pun intended. I don't think. I don't know. I don't. First of all, let, I, let me let me let me say something. Cat Williams is no stranger. He is a superstar. He is a legitimate right. comedian. He does have that. But what he's if that angered him. And he's that way, like he's, you know, maybe he's a little petty or vindictive or whatever it is. I don't, I'm not just going to say, but I think he's bitter toward Kevin Hart. I didn't see the justification in that. If you turn down movies that Kevin took and they blew up, that's on you, brother. You (laughs) you had the opportunity. You said no. Then you try to turn it like they had too much shucking and jiving in it and i'm like yo dude you was in norbert with eddie griffin right and y'all Wait, were norbert, i thought that was uh eddie murphy eddie murphy was but eddie griffin and cat williams was in there playing pimps oh okay got you, yeah got you, got and you. so to me you and eddie griffin and i ain't knocking y'all for the role y'all both were were shucking and jiving in that movie right y'all both were playing those roles so you can say kevin did the same but you did the same thing um i don't know i think he has some resentment against kevin hart right um that show but i didn't see the resentment against cedric and steve i think that's genuine i don't like y'all too because what you did to me I know, but it's like, okay, that happened in the past. They had their beef about it. And it's like, at some point, you got to move on and let it go, though. Like, what's the point of continuing to bring that? No, you don't have to. I can see him. uh, Right. I can. No, but then it's. What's the. I'm just like, at some point, you got to move. You got to let that stuff go. I didn't even know that. Like, why are you even wasting energy on that? It's like, okay. Did you know that Cedric had to a Cat Williams joke? No, okay, I don't so think that's I did, new, but, but that's new, that's new information to a lot of people. Okay, but the thing is, is that joke stealing is not new. Like comedians tell each other's jokes all the time. Like, but most of the time you you attribute it to someone when you're retelling a joke or putting your spin on it or whatever. That's like not that's nothing new. 
So we it's just like it's just like plagiarism. If we, you quote a source, you just got to give but, the, the but, source. But Cedric didn't do but that. People repeat stuff all the time. Yeah, but like, see now, listen and remix to, jokes. On now we we both listen to the Plastic Cup Boys, right? Right. And so on that episode, he says like, uh, "By my initials, that joke, you know, coming by my initial has been out." Um, from Joey Curry. has says it's been out since nineteen. Oh no! Wait, what show was it on first? No, it wasn't on. It came out. Everybody was thinking like because Meshach Harris, uh, Meshach Taylor. I'm sorry, whatever his name, said it on Design a Woman. There so they go. got Cedric for taking it. But Joey on the Plastic Cup Boys, um, Sirius FM, six o'clock. Central time, seven o'clock Eastern time, Tuesdays and Thursdays on 96. Joey Wells said that by my initials joke has been around since the 50s. Right. And he said that there are stock jokes right. that people use. But they also said that Cedric disclosing that Cat did, Cedric took that. That was his original joke. It wasn't a stock joke, right? And so it was like Bernie Mac, you know, rest in peace. He was saying things like, don't try out your new material in front of comedians because they'll take your stuff. The next thing you know, you'll see it on HBO and you're like, damn, that's my sh and it's out there. So um, right. I'm, I, I think it was entertainment. I'm not going to judge Cat Williams on, on like, he did it or not i only i guess i'm judging when i said he came off sort of bitter toward kevin hart um but the and tiffany haddish you know like but i think you're right like in general he is very much loved by a lot of people especially the black community they love cat williams so it's like why are you mad like at other people's success like even though you may have not you know become a gazillionaire like some of the others i mean you still are very successful and very you know much in demand and people come out to see your shows it's like he's mad because he's like well i'm traveling around and I'm doing stand-up like it's supposed to be done. Like, I'm getting it out the mud like it's supposed to be done, honestly, without um, having to, compromise you know, turn tricks or whatever. Right, right. Exactly. right. And that's the thing. It's like he's implying that yeah. some of these other people, like Kevin Hart and Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer, have compromised themselves and turned tricks to get where they are. And I don't think that's fair because you really I don't, don't have any. I don't know if he said that about unless she was in the room. I don't. He said he implied that about Kevin, but not Cedric and Steve. I know, but but he made general statements like yeah, when he said Harvey, out he said Harvey Weinstein, yeah, Harvey Weinstein right. wanted him to suck him off and in front of his right. boys he said that and he said no and then he said he saw other people at the audition and he's wondering what they would do but just like shannon sharp said well you had the discipline not to do it why couldn't the mother guy say no i ain't doing it either like all of a sudden right. like they, we, like right. you got you got the gravitas to say no i ain't doing it. everybody else is doing Right, but and so it, that's what I'm saying. For right. the sake of this, this this was very entertaining. It was, um, and you could tell because it's probably going to get close to sixty million or seventy million views. 
Uh, and you know, it took Joe Rogan like years to get his because he has million, yeah. right. It took him years. So this is really remarkable what Shannon Sharp has been able to do. And the thing is, um, Shay Shay said that from Jump Street, he was like, I'm about to break the internet. And that's indeed what he did. He broke broke the internet for real. Yeah, he sure did. But I thought it was interesting. Like, do you think so? It just seems like Cat um Cat Williams, he he clearly respects Bernie Mac, DL Hughley. And did he mention Dave Chappelle? Yeah, he did. I think he has respect for Dave Chappelle too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said Dave that. Chappelle is in a, a, a class by himself. He's like not he, he's almost like a um I guess you I don't know, independent contractor. Like he's not connected to Hollywood in any way, it seems like. Cause he's his own entity. Like <laughs> it just seems like you know what I mean? Like he can't be canceled. He is not gonna be uh persuaded into doing something that he doesn't want to do. Like he doesn't have to depend on anyone, it seems. And I think that's why he's so free in his art and free in his comedy to say some of the edgier things that he says that other people don't get to say. And I think Cat Williams admires that. But I, I see Cat Williams somewhat in the same way. And I think that's why he has not sort of ingratiated himself to Hollywood because he wants, he wants that freedom. What do you think? I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And um, I also, the, the part that I didn't like about what he said was when he, I think it was uncalled. I didn't like what he said about Jonathan Majors. Right. Oh, I think, an ugly nigga. I didn't like that. Right. Me either. I think that was uncalled for to talk about his physical features and, and flat out calling him ugly. Like, that's based, not fair. Based on white supremacist notions. Right. And I get his point of what he was saying. Like, Hollywood. Did. You didn't get okay. I think what he was saying is, you know, Hollywood gets to dictate to us what is in, what is cool, what is attractive. What that's is, media, yeah. That's all right. media, right. right? But that ain't and, nothing new. And then it also goes over into it bleeds over into what we deem funny. Like Hollywood gets to dictate that with the dork, the what do you call it, the gatekeepers that they empower, like it's Kevin Hart, yeah. to decide to decide who's funny and who's not. And he's like, I'm genuinely also funny. capitalism does it. Like when Medea, when Tyler Perry did his movie and it brought in all that money, they said, Oh yeah, we're gonna keep him around. But I guess you know. Tyler Perry might be in partnership with movie studios and stuff like that, but I think he's pretty much independent. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, all in all, it was very entertaining. And I could even watch it again. And let us move on. All right, we have another interesting battle. This is between Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock. Um, basically, what happened is Jason Jason Whitlock attacked Stephen A.'s uh, credibility um, from the book he wrote, um, the memoir, Straight Shooter. Um, 
first takes. He's saying that a lot of it was fabrication. Um, and then Stephen A. fired back at him, uh, just saying he didn't like him. Said a lot of nasty things. I think I got a little bit of that. Let's listen. The other would be a fat bastard that has gotten away for far too long talking his bullshit. You wanted some? Fine. I'm happy to give it to you. All I will say is that the things that I'm going to say, um, please don't hold anybody responsible for it other than me. Nobody. I even took the liberty of calling my pastor to apologize to the church. He wasn't too clear about that. He may get back to me. So I will address that in just a few minutes. Now, I'm not engaging in hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. The pastor's name is Pastor A.R. Bernard. It's just unfortunate for those who don't believe me. Call me Mr. Bernard. All right. Can I ask you this? Okay. So. I didn't hear any of that, but okay. You didn't? Mm-mm. Nope. Stephen A. called Jason Whitlock a fat bastard. Um, he... Oh, he's called him the worst, most despicable, lying, no good, fat ass human being I have ever known in my life. Yeah. And a bitch and a fat piece of shh ish. Yeah, he did. And um, wait, wait a minute. The, this is important. He said Jason Whitlock was worse than a white supremacist, worse than a white supremacist. A lot of people don't like Whitlock because he's a quote unquote black conservative um, that speaks out against um, black folks to me. Um, I follow Whitlock for a long time. Whitlock used to write for the Kansas City Star. He was way liberal back then when he wrote then. Now, to me, Whitlock is an apex capitalist. He is about the money. He goes at black folks um, because he gets admired by white audiences for this, sort of like Candace Owens. He also uh, gets hated on by a lot of uh, black folks because what he says. If you listen to him, some of his takes are not bad. Like, I understand them. But... When you're doing it on a podcast and you some of them are incendiary or embellished, you're doing it for clickbait and for views. And that's where I just stopped listening to Whitlock. Um, and he's gone faith-based a lot. Now, we all have our faith. We do attend church. But when you're using your faith as your argument, and I don't know where this comes from, given, you know, how he used to talk back in the day. Um, I don't know if he's always, if he had found Christ or if he newly found Christ over the past six or seven years. But I don't like folks who just try to take people down uh, uh, for self you know, when they're self, uh, what's the word? Self aggrandizement. Aggrandizing, yes. I don't like that. Um, and I think he does a lot of that. He'll say he's just speaking truth to power. Um, 
he comes off as a quote unquote black in league and he thinks other black uh intellectuals are soft not men like he's a uh definitely a, a male chauvinist um and he speaks out against the LBGTQA plus community. It's a AI plus community. It's it's a lot that he does that I don't like. He has some interesting takes sometimes that I do agree with. Um, but Stephen A didn't really. I guess he did attack him a little bit about him working at ESPN. He's not well liked. Um, I knew Jamel Hill and other black sports folks didn't like him. Um, he was supposed to be the head of the undefeated, but nobody wanted to work with him. Well, I'm not going to say nobody. Only a few people were going to work with him. A lot of people said they didn't want to work with Whitlock at the helm. He 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 left um, ESPN. He thought um, Scoop. Uh, what's his name? Scoop Jackson, um, the black kid. Well, his black man, I should say, he's older than me. That does the NBA. He's like he's a horrible reporter. Um, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He said the same thing about Jalen Rose. He's saying the same thing about Stephen A. Smith. Like he's not a good journalist, even though Stephen A. Smith was at the Philadelphia Inquirer for 20 plus years, which is a notable newspaper. He's he's arrogant. Now I do give it to Whitlock. He can write. Um I I like the way he wrote when he was with the Kansas City Star. Um, but he wasn't spewing this type of politics. But and that's the problem. I I you know I'm not I'm not caping for Stephen A. Smith because Stephen A. Smith does not need me to cape for him. However, I do agree with him that that is exactly the problem. What you're saying, he's supposed to be a good writer, but instead of writing and being a sports journalist and honing his craft, he's attacking people in a position in which he wants to be in. And that is the problem. He wants to be Stephen A. Smith. He wants to make the $12 million a year. And that's why he's hating on Stephen. And instead of doing, again, what he's supposed to be doing, he's attacking, he's basically attacking people like Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. Smith for clicks and for clout. He's clout chasing. And that's how he's making his living. So now... He's making the rounds on people's podcasts and different shows talking about this very thing. Now, you could argue that Stephen A. Smith's book that he, you know, this the, the, the book that he has criticized um, recently, um, I think you, you said it's called Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances first, and first takes. Right. Now, you could argue that that is sports related because it's, it's you know about a sports journalist Stephen A. Smith's basically his autobiography um, and so therefore it's fair game for him to critique it however he's supposed to be writing about players <laughs> isn't he isn't he supposed to be analyzing no, not, not with this new podcast he has he's just a commentator it ain't just sports anymore with him 
It's politics too. It's religion. It's right. Morality. Because he didn't find any success as a sports journalist. That's not true. That's well, what I was he, gonna tell you. I he, was gonna tell you that. Like, I don't think Jason Whitlock is unhappy with the money he has made and is making. No, he's not behind ESPN anymore and not getting the money that Stephen A is. But I'm gonna say this: just because you don't make the money that somebody else is making and you speak out against them doesn't mean you want their money. Right. Doesn't. It's just not a good look though. Why are you, why are you attacking another professional when that's not what you, that's not what you're supposed to be doing? Like you can't say that it's entertainment. Like we sit up here and critique. Right. So it's for clickbait. Well, I think he has something against. Give us a story. We don't, Give, no, give, me, give me a story. I no, 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 no. Whitlock attacks people he finds not credible. Successful. Not successful because he'll say Stephen A. Smith is successful. He'll just say he's not the best journalist and not credible. Now, Whitlock, if he didn't use a lot of incendiary language, a lot of people... A lot of people don't like Stephen A. Smith, believe it or not. They don't. They think he a coon. I mean, you hear Naeem all the time, play my music. Look at the coon. You know, you heard him, right, with that? Yeah, but so what's the point? So so therefore, that's what he a should A lot be of people attack Stephen A. and says he doesn't break down basketball. He'll say things like, that boy, he could play. He can ball. Ain't no question about that. He can ball. But that's not being analytical. That's just giving an opinion that a young kid can give that's in, you know. Okay, so but my, but my thing is, is so, why so you. He's been a, wait, Whitlock ain't the only one that attacks Stephen A about that. There's a lot of people that talk about Stephen A Smith. Okay, but here's my thing. So if that's your opinion, then don't watch it. But don't hate on him because he's making $12 million a year for what you think is not good journalism. What is, so what, how is that helping you to point that out? I mean, at the end of the day, the, the his Kim, viewership. Sports, will, sports people get on professional athletes saying, say that he ain't worth the money he making. Like that's open. Now forget about Stephen A being a journalist, but journal Stephen A will say that about people. People said that about Tobias Harris. Like, how is he getting $35 million a year? Money has been talked about with athletes. Well, that's fair. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's fair if you're talking about sports, if you're a sports journalist and you're talking about sports. But then when you start, when professionals start attacking each other, like, what is the point? Like, why are you doing that? The, at the end of the day, the people will be the final arbiters of who is a good journalist and who is not a good journalist and the numbers will bear out but he's why allowed do you to why are you trying to make your living off of attacking another journalist who has is successful whether you think he's a good writer or a good journalist allowed, or not because like, he's hold on but i'm not getting it. I, I don't i don't like that that's like what wendy williams did and, and look how successful she became i did not like her job Period. And look how far she, how far she fell. Well, she because she had personal issues. That's why she fell from grace. 
You know, some people can say it's karma, what goes around comes around, but I'm not like I'm not going to sit up here and be a uh moral judge and you know cuz I'm I'm not the moral majority. I'm saying Whitlock has a right to his opinion. He's a shock jock. I agree with that. He says things that are alarming, that is provocative, that provokes and it gets people to comment. So he'll play the villain, right? He'll play the bad guy because you know, he is earning a, a certain amount of money because people are paying attention to what he has to say. So he's saying these things for whatever reason. But I, I do think he has the right to say those things. And he didn't attack Stephen A. Smith personally from like with derogatory statements. That's where Stephen A. to me lost this because you calling him a fat bastard right and he grew up with his dad you calling him a piece of shit you calling him the worst you know you you went off on him hit him back with facts hit him hit him back with facts he didn't do that well, to he Stephen called a. Stephen a a fraud and a gimmick and a he fraud. called him Stephen a stick and he said Stephen right? a smith myth Stephen a myth not Stephen oh. A. Smith, Stephen A. Myth. Right, and he also called him a stick. Like, yeah, stick. Yeah, okay, like he's a show. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that a little bit. He has a, but I would say Stephen A. is on television to entertain, and that's what he's doing. Right, and so why are you mad? Like, stop. Leave him alone. Move on. Get something else to talk about. But see, you're judging him because he's talking about him. Like he don't have the right to. He can do that. He's a, Stephen A. is a public figure. Okay, but you got to be careful not to defame someone. Then you can. I don't think he's. I don't think he's defaming him. He, just he is defaming him. him if he's saying that he's lying. In the book, he did. He, Stephen A. Smith said he averaged one point two points a game, and he in one game you can't average point two in one game. You got to play at least two games to get a point something. And you know he he attacked it. Did you did you listen to Naeem play uh, the the two we they 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 played the back and forth responses with Whitlock and Stephen A. Okay, what what has Jason Whitlock ever said that you agree with? You said you agree with some of the stuff that he said. Oh yeah, when he talks about you know. Black on black violence, um, single mother, single parents, um, in the household doing negative things, let's say, a living a negative life or portraying, and then us portraying these people in our neighborhood as um, ghetto celebrities. Okay, so black there's on a lot black, of stuff. There's a black lot of stuff. Black can, violence. Why do it, you agree with that? There's what a lot it? of stuff that I can show you that he wrote that you would agree with. No, you yes, don't know. Sir. No, yes. you don't know I, what I would agree with. Yes, I'm asking yes, you because yes, I, I there's yes. nothing that he has said that I agree with. I'm okay, asking you. You don't. You have not. Let me ask him you. Let's go back to the you. first thing. Let's go back to the first thing you said. You said you agree with him on his position on black on black violence. What is his position, and what and and what is it that you agree with? Because I don't know. I don't. I don't. He says that we're not. He says that we need to approach this 
more. We need to have fathers in the home taking care of these black males so this would not happen. What would not happen? If the black on black violence, the death rate at this high of a clip because fathers are absent from the home. Now, there's oh, a black lot. people are the only people that no, kill. see you. You going? Different. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling just you. To... I agree with that. I agree that black men. But that why are, not are we? Why are we singling out black people as if white people don't kill white people and Asian people? You don't always kill Asian you, people? you you are you are. He's that not talking. No, he's not talking. He's, Why would you be attacking your are you, own? You gonna let me talk, or you gonna keep interrupting me? What I'm saying is that Jason is saying that the black male missing from the home, from the family, is impacting the death rate of young black males. Period. I don't care about. I'm not talking about white people in their rate. I'm just talking about our community. So you ask me, do I agree with that? Yes, I do. I agree with that. Just like I agree with Candace Owens in the projects. And he says the projects was made to eliminate one parent. It's usually the male because you can't have two parents living in there making a certain amount of money because it's subsidized. So it it it, it makes the father absentee. So I do agree with some of the things they say. Like I said, I don't agree with their whole politics, but I I listen to them intently. So I would say maybe 75% of the stuff they say, I don't agree with. 25% of the stuff I do agree with. I know you for 30 years. I would give you articles and you would say, okay, I, I agree with him here. I agree with him don't here. Don't do that. You don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Don't, don't. Mm-mm. Nope. You can't do that with me. We would have to take an issue, but that's what I'm saying. You don't make draw that conclusion that I would agree with anything that either one of these people would say. <laughs> Let's. No, you can't. You cannot make that blanket statement. We have to go. That, we have I, to go issue by issue because, like I said, I don't. I'm not saying every issue. I'm saying some of the issues. I'm to me. Let me say something. Don't don't let me forget about Jason Whitlock. Do you believe that black men being absent from the home has an impact on the children that are raised in that house? I have to challenge the premise. I need I need to know why people try to make this as people try to denigrate black fathers as if they are non-existent. So I'm going to challenge the premise. You're going to have to give me a source. You're going to have to give me some numbers. Before it don't matter. You're going to. It's just a basic generalization. Do you think. Do you no, think. No, and that's the problem. You're not going to sit here and pathologize you, black people think, without facts. Do, do you think two parent. Do you think two parent households. And let me not say households. Do you think two parents raising a child. Right. Let's not even say households. Let's say. And I'm really only dealing with absentee fathers. So get away, get rid of the household, right? Do you think two but parents raise? Do you think two parents raising a child, I don't care what color they are, is better than one parent raising a child? It depends on the parents. Okay. It depends Set a mark on the parents. That's, that's number all, one. Number two. I'm going to tell you the problem I have with it. The problem I have with it is that people imply that black people are the only people that can have absentee fathers. There's also absentee fathers in white homes. Like, why, why do you care about that? Seem, 
Because it's relevant. We talking about that. You always comparing and juxtaposing. We are talking about that. That's why I don't like. I I don't appreciate when people say that because they imply that that is a problem that is unique to black people and it is not because what it does is it continues to marginalize black people and devalue black people and that's what i don't like they that that they there's no implication right there they're not you you, you, yes you are because you're generalizing and saying black people no no, we're not generalizing black people People he's talking about he's talking about absentee fathers, period. Right, which can absentee be in black any race. Fathers. He's not talking about he's not talking about absentee white fathers, right? Right, which is an issue, right? Right. 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 He's not talking about that. You always when when you talk about well, why are you talking about the black because he black. I'm black. That's who I care about. That's why we talk about it. I don't have to say anything about white absentee fathers. That's not how I didn't grow up a white boy. I didn't. I grew up a black male in a black community. I know, but why would it be? Why would it? Why would it have a different effect on a black family than it would on anybody else? Like, why can't he not talking about that? Why do you keep addressing other families? I don't because what it does. It's 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 the same thing as as, as someone saying black people on welfare like talking about black people on welfare and black people shouldn't be you, you they shouldn't have welfare and they shouldn't be on welfare because they're lazy and they they need to work as if black people are the only ones who are on welfare and so it pathologizes black people and makes it seem as if they're that's they're the only ones who are depending on the government for welfare when that is not true and there's more white people on welfare and i think everybody that's knows the that problem. well that everybody doesn't proceed as if they everybody knows that and that's the thing that's why i don't like it and that's why i challenge the premise that's all but i will say just in general that it it is better for a child to have a responsible parent in the home to keep the make sure that the child is engaged in productive activities and has opportunities because that will occupy your time and therefore you are not you don't have an opportunity to get into negative activities and get into trouble and be involved in violence that's all it is so in communities where there is a where that violence is prevalent i would submit that there are a lack of opportunities for young people in that neighborhood. And that is why you have people. Idle mind is the devil's workshop. Okay. And let us move on. Okay, we have another another controversy going on. Well, I don't know if it's a controversy. Vivica Fox has said something about the Raji P. Henson situation when she was asked by TMZ. Now, you may not hear this, but I am going to play some sound. Your peace out is important. I totally understand that. 
Now, you probably didn't hear that either, did you? I didn't hear it. You didn't hear it? I did not hear it. Okay. So what Vivica Fox says is that she's good. Taraji P. Henson, for those of you who don't know, who just starred in The Color Purple, she was talking about uh, the lack of pay that Black women receive in Hollywood. And how... Specifically her. Huh? Specifically her. Well, she was talking about her, but, you know... uh, Vivica Fox was asked about Taraji's situation and she just said to each his own, you know, she says that hasn't been my problem or my issue. And then she says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. She says, I'm good. Right. And a lot of people didn't like that. They thought she was throwing shade, um, being an individual, knowing that black women do go through this. If you disagree with it, she was trying to clean it up at the end. Like I, you know, support my sisters for sticking up for one another. And people were like, well, why you didn't say anything? Right. You know, um, some people. And it's important. She said it's important to speak your truth and say your piece. But I'm good. Right. But she she might have been worried about the drawback. If she spoke out against it. You know, right. So uh, she, it it was like she was trying to remain neutral so she could protect her own personal bag, um, but not not showing solidarity with other women. And I would even take it a step further and ask, like, where are the prominent female actors in Hollywood that may not be black? I mean, just like um, during the Me Too movement. They wanted all women to support them and men too, support them and show solidarity with their plight. But I very rarely hear those women speaking up for women like Taraji P. Henson. And it reminded me of Sojourner Truth when she said, ain't I a woman? Yeah, she didn't write that though. But she said it. Yeah, she did. She said it, and and the point is, why don't people come to the aid of black women when they express their trials and tribulations and their grievances and their... Okay, so people do come to the aid of black women. So let me cut that right there. You know, um, we just listened to a show on, on, on a podcast, and Naeem was coming to the aid of a black woman. I'm talking about the Meryl Streep's and the Angelina Jolie's. And Jones also, I was, and going the, to, I was going to get on them next. And when the Charlize Theron's when, when and the Paul Kidman's of the world, the when, powerful when, women. When, they, when they're asked, they do address it. When they're well, that asked, would be nice. But, the, you know, that would be nice if they could use their influence to make sure that these women are taken care of. These women who have been in Hollywood for a long time, who have worked hard, who have Taraji P. Henson was nominated for an Oscar. She's been around for. And, and the. And Regina, the, and Regina, King, try to, Regina King makes a hefty bag. So does Regina Hall. So does Sanaa Lathan. 
And that's great for them. But Taraji P. Henson is saying that she's not. Right. So what I'm saying. Until they all get it, it's not enough. Well, what I'm saying is this. I agree. This, I was shocked by what she said. Were you? Okay. Yeah. When she gave an accounting, it was like. There's no way in the world I thought she was making this little, little bit of money over all the movies that she has done. And so I told you, I text you when I was at church, the, this, this husband and wife came up. They have been uh, going around the country for their lifetime. They're collectors of black art. They show black art. They have an exhibit, blah, blah, blah. That, that currently exhibit is in Houston. And his message was, there's two things that we have to do as, as black folks. He said, resist and expect. Now you and I got into this big discussion about Taraji P. Henson. And you go to the extremes like, well, she don't, if if she don't take that little bit of money, she's not gonna make any money at all. And which I don't think that's the case because people are hiring her. Sometimes I think that she has to resist that money, that low money that she's getting and expect more. And to me, for the life of me, unless I'm wrong, she's very sought after. She does expect more. That's what she's saying. She's saying, I've but been She's not resisting more. the roles. Like, no, I'm not. Y'all, I'm not doing this for $300,000. I'm not. What? When your bills are coming due, a lot of times you just like I like I asked you, you're a professor. Do you think that you're making what you're worth? And you said no. no and I, I said, well, why not. did you take the job? Wait, no, I did not say that. So yes, let's you did. It. You said you should be making at least another ten thousand dollars. I I said that I'm okay with the money I'm making, but I could make another ten thousand dollars more. That's but you took your job, though. You didn't say, well, I'm not taking this job because I think I need to make another $10,000 because you got bills to pay. And just like she said, people say, Taraji, you always working. And she said, yeah, because I, I have to keep working. I don't, I don't, so I, don't I can get my, you know, maybe I'm if not, I do 10 Let me projects, say this. I'm not, get- I, I'm not mad at the money that I'm making. So I want to make that clear. But I do think. I'm worth $10,000 more, but that's not a lot of money. To me, it was shocking, again, that when she says she comes home with $150,000, when I think she should be getting an $8 million to a $10 million bag, that's shocking to me. me that's too. what I'm saying. Right. right. So if, if I'm making if too. I'm making $60,000 and I think I make $70,000, it's not the same. Because they're closer to the level with me that of respect with her, they seem like they're eons away from it. I mean, and she has a whole, she says she has like a whole team of people. So my thing is, what who are these people? Like you have this kind of talent that you're working with. You should be able to get her more than $150,000 for a movie. Like, and I can understand maybe doing a project for that and then getting the back end or something like that. But you got to work on something better than that. She like, got to get into. Go I don't know. Maybe to, has Taraji really only been in. She I need to she, hire me. Wait, Taraji, wait, I know me. she was. In, I know she was in Benjamin Buttons. Right. right. That's the but one she, she was nominated for an Oscar for. Right. But I don't know what other 
big blockbuster movies she was in. Here's the thing. So you can start you, talking about that you don't think that she's as talented as maybe some other actor. But my thing is, I, didn't I say mean, that. that's plenty. But I'm just saying people who may say that, well, she's not as talented as a Regina King. And that's why she's not getting Regina King money. Or she's not I as talented as um, uh, Regina Hall. I would say she's not Meryl Streep because okay. Meryl Streep has a long track record and a reputation right but i can i can name you several mediocre white actors who get paid millions of dollars a movie right now I'm that, gonna, just one off the top okay. of my head is adam sandler who gets to make bad movie after bad movie after bad movie no, his, and bring home the bag no, so so that's what i'm saying his movie you don't get to make movies yes or right no and wrong okay so you don't get to make repeatedly bad movies over and over again. And when I say bad, that don't do well at the box Unless office. Unless you're a white man. Go ahead. Who, 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 who? Adam Sandler. You think Adam Sandler's movies don't gross money? Adam Sandler has made, I'm sure they gross money, but they, I don't know, not no blockbuster hits. But we don't, I don't even know how much Adam Sandler gets a movie. So, you know, I don't. What 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 does he get in a movie? I, what I'm saying is, I can't. It's hard to compare when budgets are different. And what I, and you know what I mean by that? If you're on a movie and the budget is fifty million dollars, compared to you on a movie and the budget is twelve million dollars, that's a difference. So I would have to go because I'm shocked by this. When I get the time, I would have to go back to Taraji's movies and imbd uh i am yeah db um and find out what was the total budget of the movie she's played in and if she's getting paid accordingly and empire was a hit show and she said TV, after right but i'm just saying that's better that's a lot of times that's better money, money than movie she didn't get Empire, she didn't get money she for said after Empire, she fired her whole team because she was like, I'm on a hit show, and like, where where are my endorsements? Like, where are my you know anything? She could have she should have been able to parlay that into other endeavors that could bring her revenue, whether it's I don't know, endorsements or uh product lines or I mean, I remember um, Omari Hardrick, who's on Power. He had to borrow money from Fifty Cent because he wasn't <laughs> making a lot of money, and I think Fifty Cent loaned him like a half a million dollars or three hundred thousand dollars or something like that because he didn't have any money, right? So people say this is what Naeem said the other night. Those of you who are listening, he's in the Plastic Cup Boys. He says TV makes more than movies unless you a big blockbuster like tom cruise right and that's what i'm saying so she felt like with being on a hip hit show empire which it was a, a hit show at one point um her team should have been able to parlay that into more lucrative opportunities for her and they weren't able to do that so she fired the whole team yeah so let's look at the team and what did did they take from her 
Well, she's remember she gave an accounting of everything that she has to pay. So she's like, you may think if I make $10 million for a movie, which I'm not sure if she's gotten that kind of money for a movie, but she said off the top, uh, Uncle Sam is going to take 50%. That's now you're down to 5 million. Yeah, like 50, then yeah. you got to pay all your people, your, the, the, artist management and the talent agency and all this stuff that's another 30 percent. she was saying so you know yeah that that's that that doesn't to me i i'm having trouble with her with her math figures with that because i i know artists don't get just 20 percent of their take home in 80 well he she's saying 50 goes so they getting 20 percent of five uh five million dollars which is what's that? A, a million, t five million. Uh, Ten percent is five hundred thousand. So, so that's a million, million dollars. So there's four million dollars left to her. That's based on a ten million dollars. But it seems like she's not getting that bad. Right, right. I mean, that's shocking about... to me because I thought she was making between ten and well, eight and fifteen million dollars a movie. I, I, I when she not. said when I said what, I was like what? Because she said she almost had to walk away from the color purple. Yeah. But how big a budget was that? I have no idea. You want to? Let's see if I can. Let's see the color purple. Budget, a hundred million dollar budget for the color purple. Yes, and so far it's gross fifty five million. But that, then I wonder how much she is. That's a she had to get money off of that. Let's see, Taraji P Henson. Uh, salary. Okay, well, she got less than seventy five thousand for Benjamin Button. She said, made it into her have a huge role in that. Made it into her pocket, but. I'm not sure how much she got. She said from. made it into her pocket. What did she get? It was probably that. That was probably the one where she got the hundred and fifty thousand. And when it was all said and done, the seventy five is what hit her account. That was a long time ago. That movie, right? I don't even think she so. Was. I'm not sure how much she got for that. For the color purple. But whatever it was, it was finally enough for her to to take it. Cause she said she almost walked away, but we gotta look. Oh, yeah. We got we gotta look into that. <sighs> yeah. And let us move on. So we have these allegations against Israel by South Africa. 
South Africa is stating that uh, Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. Um, South Africa's 84-page application statute that acts in and <clears throat> omissions by Israel complain uh, by South Africa are genocidal in character because they are tended to bring about the destruction of a substantial part of the Palestinian national, racial, and ethnical group in violation of the 1948 Convention of the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. Genocides are never declared in advance, but this court has the benefit of the past 13 weeks of evidence that shows incontrovertibly a pattern of conduct and related intention. Adelia Hassim, one of the attorneys arguing South Africa's case told the judges and crowd assembled at the Peace Palace in the, in the Hague on Thursday. Israel has stridently rejected uh, the filing, calling it, it a blood libel, a reference to a false accusation that originated in the Middle Ages that Jewish people would murder Christians and use their blood in rituals and which was used as a justification for oppression of Jewish communities. Uh, mm. what's, what's your thought on it? Well, um, you know, Germany came out and attacked South Africa. And because, you know, Germany is now supporting Israel as well saying that they need to mind their business. Um, Israel is doing what they are entitled to do, what, what they are, uh, you know, ex expected to do when they were attacked, you know, defending themselves or whatever. Um, and I guess because historically they may have, you know, they may have some guilt about the Holocaust. And so, you know, they are much like the United States and in um, England, supportive of, of Israel. So I found out because I follow Joanne Reed. Um, Joanne Reed pointed out that Namibia has clapped back and has said to Germany, like, I know that you ain't talking because before the Holocaust, Germany committed genocide against the people of Namib Namibia and killed 30 or 40,000 Namibians. Um, and, and this was like in the 1880s, 1800s. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think South, South Africa is well within their right to to bring this claim um and and it, you know the killing needs to stop i mean yeah regardless of who's calling it out at, at some at some point it would be great if um if it could stop especially you know in honor of dr martin luther king weekend dr king was a proponent of peace and at the end of the day, I think that's what we all want is to live peaceably together on this planet. So 
I I agree. Um, I believe the killing should stop. It's interesting to see how this is going to play out in court. <clears throat> so we're going to keep a close eye on it. And let us move on. All right, so we're near our brand now, and our brand is Lifetime Fitness, which is in several states around the country. Um, Lifetime Fitness is our brand for the day. They do have uh, apparel that they sell. Um, It's just a great gym. This is actually the photo that you see if you're watching it on YouTube. It's actually the gym I attend. Um, it's in uh, Shenandoah, Texas, which is right outside the woodlands in spring where I reside. It's a great gym. It has four floors, um, and it has all the amenities that you want, um, to get in there and lose weight. Yes, you can go to Planet Fitness, which is $10 a month, and you can do the same day, uh, but it doesn't have all the amenities. Um, so each his own. Uh, Lifetime Fitness is the brand for the week. And let us move on. Black. Black, black, black. <laughs> black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. Okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black is black. Black Black, 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 black. Black on black, black. Yeah, hey. So today we want to highlight as our by black uh <laughs> by black um I guess we can call it. Pride. Pride, yeah, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. So this is uh this, you know, I listened to the Clay Kane show on Sirius XM channel 96 um at 12 o'clock, 12 to 3. And Clay Kane it has released a book. Well, the book comes out January 30th, and you can pre-order it now everywhere books are sold, including Amazon.com. And uh, it's called The Grift. The Downward Spiral of Black Republicans from the Party of Lincoln to the Cult of Trump. And so the book is described as part history and part cultural analysis. It chronicles the nuanced history of Black Republicans. Clay Kane lays out how Black Republicanism has been mangled by opportunity by opportunists who are apologists for racism. 
whether it's radical conservatives like South Carolina Senator Tim Scott or Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, they are consistently viral news and continuously upholding egregious laws at the expense of their black brethren. Black faces in high places providing cover for explicit bigotry is one of the greatest threats to the liberation of black and brown people. By studying these figures and their tactics, Clay Kane exposes the grift and lays out a plan to emancipate our future. After the Civil War, the pillars of black republicanism were a balanced critique of both political parties, civil rights for all Americans, reinventing an economy based on exploitation, and most importantly, building thriving black communities. How did black republicanism devolve from revolutionaries like Frederick Douglass to the puppets in the Trump era? This is what Clay Kane's new book is all about. It's called, again, The Grift, The Downward Spiral of Black Republicans from the Party of Lincoln to the Cult of Trump. Pick it up on January 30th, and you can pre-order it now. He's trying to become um, a best-selling author. He wants to be on the New York Times best-selling bestsellers list. And why shouldn't we elevate Black voices if we can. Okay. So let's support that. And let us move on. And let us move on. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. I think you can My bad. Let What's wrong with that? And let us move on. Uh, you're rusty. <laughs> here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what? So what? So what's the scenario? Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what? So what? So what's the scenario? Hey. All right. So I'm gonna take a card from out of the middle of the uh, the deck, and we're doing. Am I chipping game? This is a party game. South scenarios. Yes. This game was created by Reese Colbert. Reese Colbert show also on Sirius XM channel 96 on Saturdays. Um, and so we're going to play her game. We're going to give you a scenario. We got to give credit where credit is due. Okay. So here we go. Ready, Dr. A? I went to a restaurant. Uh, mm. I went to a restaurant with a friend and the waiter immediately brought us water. After looking at the menu, we changed our mind about eating there. My friend insisted we leave a tip because the waiter brought us water, but I refused because we didn't actually order. Um, Are you, you tripping? tripping? <laughs> She's like, am I tripping? No, girl, you are not tripping. I wouldn't have you gonna pay a tip because somebody brought you some water. You can put a dollar on the table. So yeah, if you have cash and you got a dollar, you can put a dollar on the table. 
I'm not mad at that. I think that. that's I'm an not, insult. I don't know. You don't, no, you don't, well, y'all both put a dollar on the table. It was $2. And all they did was bring you water. So it depends on what you're talking about. Like, you ain't going to get nobody $10 for a glass of water that you ain't drink. <laughs> so are you tripping? I can't say you're tripping if you didn't give because you may not have cash on you. But so I, I mean, the point cash. is, assuming that you do, that, that, you, no, the question cash, is, assuming you, that you have cash. Yeah. In all denominations. Is it appropriate? Yeah, I don't think that I don't even think the waiter would be upset if you did not. I wish we had. Yeah, a waiter but if you sit down to a table and he says or she says, "Can I start you off with a glass of water?" and you say yes, and they bring you the water over to the table, right? And you just while they go, they getting the water. You decide looking at the menu that mm, I don't want this food. Yeah, you can, but I'm not going to say you're not tripping if you don't. Right. I don't think you're tripping if you right. don't. I definitely don't. Because I, I don't think I would tip for that. If I had cash on, they, I would. They bring water to everybody. Look, I'm not saying you're not tripping, but the person that's tipping ain't tripping. <laughs> so to each his own on that one. What's the next one? Okay, okay let's see. I should have put that in the back. Uh oh, I think I just did that one. How did I pick that one again? Um I was fed up with my friend's antics two days into a girl's trip. Every time we went out to eat, she complained about her food or the service to get her she complained about her food or the service to get her meal for free. <laughs> Finally, I snapped at her. If you broke, just say that and I'll buy your food. She was very offended, but I was tired of her making us look like scammers. Am I tripping? Yeah, you tripping. Let her do her thing. I feel like if I'm going for real, you just you just you you yeah, prefer in that friend, situation we, to just live have, and let me. We have a friend that does that a lot if the service ain't great. And not that they get what do they do they just no they complain about the service if the service is not up to par they complain about it it's not every time but it has happened on several occasions yeah but like if you order if you order food and your food don't come on time and then say for instance you you and i out together and you get your food 30 minutes before I get, yeah, I can complain. And I'm probably, you know, when my food come out, I'm going to talk to the manager and I'm probably going to get it taken off. It, de it, it, it depends. Like if they taking. Okay. Food, but in this, that, okay. No, I was going to say, okay. If the service is bad or the food is bad and the complaint is warranted, that's one thing. But in this scenario it's saying she complained to get her meal for free. Like, and that, and that was why the friend snapped because she said, you making us look like scammers because you doing it to try to get your food for free. Don't do that. If you're going to do that, do that by yourself. Don't be out with us making us look like scammers. So if you don't want to pay, if you that pressed that you don't want to pay, fine, I'll pay for you. 
Yeah, I don't come I don't think to you're the tripping. Because. Right. Well, if you but interpret it that is, way, you're not If tripping. I'm going on a girl's trip with somebody. Have the appropriate funds. Right. But I was going to say, if I'm going on a girl's trip with someone, chances are they're not going to, like, I'm not hanging out with people who do this. So I'm probably not going to have this problem because I would have known by the time you go on a girl's trip with somebody, you know, this is, this is somebody, when, this is a get over Grover. When you Everybody out, know a get over me, Grover. There's always trying to get over. When you go out, you should at least have a hundred dollars for each meal. Not breakfast, but you know, lunch and dinner. Not that saying you're not saying that your meal is going to cost that, but if y'all are going to, away for four nights and you're gonna have, you know, lunch and dinner, your budget for the day should be for food should be a hundred dollars. But see, the other thing is the friend is on a girl's trip. So you don't spend money to come on a trip. So it's not as if you don't have the money. A lot of times people who try to get over and who scam got money. They just being cheap or they just don't want to spend it. Um, like I they, saw, I read an article the other day about a, a former, a former Wizards basketball player who got arrested for shoplifting at Target. And he at one point was making millions of dollars. So again, it's sometimes not even about the money. It's about people just trying to get over. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, she might uh, have the money in her pocket, have a credit card, and just be trying. To most people who don't have the money would say something or wouldn't go. I agree. Right. I'm so not going to go somewhere where I don't have no true. money. Eating. Right. All right, we got time for one more. Okay, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. These cards in here tight. Okay. It's a lot of money things. I spent $200 on a cake for my friend's bridal shower. When her fiance picked up the cake, he accidentally mangled it to the point where it was no longer edible. I didn't have a problem paying for a beautiful and delicious cake to be dis displayed and enjoyed. But since my $200 went down the drain, I told him he needed to reimburse me for the cake. You're not tripping. You're definitely not tripping. You will hope, you will hope that you wouldn't have to ask him to reimburse you because. Well, is that, your, all, is that your girl? No This is what we have to work with. I spent two hundred dollars on a cake for my friend's bridal shower. My friend's bridal. So bridal. if you're spending two hundred dollars on your friend's bridal shower, that's your girl. That's, a, that's your girl, right? So maybe not. Yeah, everybody ain't gonna just randomly buy no two hundred dollars. Well, he picked cake. it up, and who picked it up? The husband. The fiance picked up the cake and yeah. and dropped yeah. it or yeah. jacked it up. Yeah. So they couldn't even eat the cake. So he, what he should have did was go out and purchase another cake. Another cake, but see. Yeah. Okay, but he uh, when he goes out to purchase another cake, your girlfriend is still out $200 and it ain't no cake. This, her cake ain't even, nobody ain't eat, even eat the cake. That's like $200 wasted. Not if he go uh, buys another cake that costs close to $200. Like if he goes out and buys a $125 cake, I'm not. I dropped this cake. 
So I went and got another cake. So, you know. I know, but you you missing the point, Dr. A. How? The friend is still out of the $200. No, because the Give cake. No. What if he goes by a duplicate cake? How are you out $200? If he spends it, that's the, that's the cake you really bought, but it got dropped. So he buys another cake. So that's like your money going toward that cake. Why would he go buy a cake and then give you your two hundred dollars back? That means you ain't buy a cake because the cake because the cake that I bought you jacked it up. That right. wasn't my but, fault. So he goes so, out and buys a cake that's similar, you know, and brings right because it. his fiance needs a cake. Right. So, no, but that's not for me. That's for his fiance. The you cake you bought. The cake you bought was for the fiance too. But no, yeah, so you, you, I you wouldn't do that. If if I if 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 um if you purchase a cake and I went to pick it up and I dropped it, right, and I go <laughs> buy another cake, they got another cake there that's similar. They just have to put her name on it. And when I say similar, it has the same like feelings and stuff like that inside of it, but it's not decorated the exact way. Say her picture was on it. Now her picture's not on it. It just has her name. But th that cake costs 175 not $200. You going to ask for your $200 back? I, you were getting the cake. I had to replace your cake with another cake. Oh, that's a tough one. I guess... I guess. I guess if he, if I would you, hope that he let me let me let put this it this way. If he offered, if he offered to give me my two hundred dollars back, I'm taking it. I wow. might not ask for it. Wow. I so, might not ask so for it. If you go pick up a cake, right? For no, I can't make it anybody in your your homegirls. What's her name? The one that just lost her mom. Jerome. Jerron, you go pick up a cake. Like somebody paid for it. Kim, oh, I'm, my, my job right there, I'll pick it up. You pick it up and you drop it. When you about to put it in your car, it goes right there on the floor. You like, God damn. You turn around, you go back into the store and say, I just dropped this cake. Can y'all do something? Blah, 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 blah. And you pay for the $200, right? And you come home and say, the 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 person that said it, the Negro that bought the cake for her, right, or the sister that brought the cake for her said, "That ain't the cake I ordered." So yeah, I, I you know you pull her to the side like I dropped the cake, blah blah blah. So I I went and I paid for this one, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, I want my." <laughs> <laughs> that ain't the cake I ordered. So I want my $200. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Right. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Homie. I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that because I would feel like the cake is being replaced. That's <laughs> My $200 was for a cake. Okay. It's not the exact cake, but it's a cake that costs close to that. I'm not going to ask for the money back because you wasn't expecting your money back in the first place if the real cake got delivered. I know, but I want something to show. I, I was expecting something to show for my $200 that I you spent. You got the cake. The cake is there. No, that's not. No. 
that's no, that's your money that you spent on the cake. What about my money I spent? I want my money back because you destroyed the cake that I ordered. Okay. So, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think the bakery would give you another cake if you accidentally dropped it? I'm in sure the store. Would. If you dropped it in the store, yeah. Because, see, I would go back, you know me, I would go back in the store and be like, well, this... I dropped this cake because y'all didn't secure it properly. So well, I mean, need, that's different. If you can get that, say, cake. <laughs> say the cake was secured properly and you just dropped it. <laughs> you know, you dropped it. My bad. You you slipped and tripped. Oh. You know, <laughs> if you got some scuffs on you, they may give it back to you. <laughs> like I broke my glasses, my knee off. Okay, I'm gonna tell you the God's honest truth. I would not. I'm not gonna say that she's tripping for asking for her money back for the cake. She tripping to me, but definitely I must say I would. I don't. I don't. I don't think I could bring myself to ask for the money. But like I said, if he said, you know what, I feel so bad. I dropped your cake. Here's your two hundred dollars. I'm gonna be like, thank you. Are you gonna give him? Would you give him a hundred for the cake he bought? If he bought another cake for two hundred dollars, or you would keep your own two hundred dollars? I would keep. You tripping? (laughs) You are tripping. Because so, uh, but hold up. I'm like, okay, are you going Let's to- do expectations, right? You expected to pay for a cake, and you did, right? You were not expecting to get your money back. They were supposed to eat the cake that you ordered. He dropped it, so he <laughs> replaces the cake. And you like, nah, that's not the exact cake that I ordered, so I want my $200 back. So he's going to wind up coming out of his pocket $400. Listen, ain't nobody tell you to drop the cake. You dropped the cake. (laughs) You tripping. You definitely tripping. (laughs) Am I tripping? Yes, you are. You tripping. I would not do that. Listen, listen. The fiance may feel bad that he dropped the cake and he'd be like, you know what? I dropped the cake. Here, I'm going to give you your money back. The scenario, the, the, the scenario is you ask for your money back. That's the scenario. Okay, and I agree. You're right that I, I don't think I could bring myself to ask for the money back. Now, if there ain't no cake, like if he go to the grocery store, uh, go to Baskin and Robbins and get a $17 cake, then uh, uh-uh, homie. <laughs> Run me my money. Yeah, right. I'm going to say cake 17. You owe me $183. <laughs> right. I'll take I see, that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, if the ex, because you know they have expectations. And your expectation was a $200 cake, which he got. You know? Say he <laughs> yeah. spent more on the cake. Say he spent $230 on the cake. He's like, I, he he says, I'm sorry, I dropped the cake, so I had to get this one. I had to pay extra, wind up paying an extra thirty dollars. <laughs> He's like, okay, where's my two hundred? <laughs> <laughs> so he done came out of his pocket four hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> so you wouldn't say you wouldn't ask for the money? No, not at all. Definitely not. Now, I wouldn't even ask for the money if they bought the basket and Robin's cake. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. store has the money, he don't have it. The store got the money for the cake. You just dropped it and be like, oh, oh well. Because I knew I, my expectation wasn't to come home with that two hundred dollars. Okay, I just feel the like next, it's a waste. Next, like, why both of us got to be out two hundred dollars? The next time, 
But he, y'all both are out two hundred dollars. But not really, y'all not because y'all the expectations, like I said, was to deliver a cake, and that's what you got. But you talking about if he offered it? I'll take that two hundred. I don't know about that one. Uh. <laughs> Let us move on. Blackness. Keep it, keep on. So today, in honor of Black History, uh, Black History, in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Reverend we want Martin to highlight Martin. Reverend Doc. Let me give it the proper reverence and respect. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So today, we want to highlight some of the little-known Black history facts about Dr. King. So, uh, let's see. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, so these are, I'm going to give you four little known facts about Dr. King. Number one, he almost became a medical doctor instead of a PhD. He, he obtained his PhD uh, from Boston University at the age of 25, and his PhD was in systematic theology. Um, but at one point, he wanted to be a, a medical doctor. When he graduated from college, he had doubts about following in the footsteps of of his family and becoming a minister. Um, and instead he wanted to be a doctor or maybe even a lawyer. But due to a religious epiphany that he had, he later chose to become a minister. He entered into uh, the seminary at Crozer the Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania. And again, got his uh, PhD um, in systematic theology from Boston University. So the second little known uh, black history fact about Dr. King is, and some people may know this, but Dr. King donated, first of all, he won the Nobel Peace Prize and he donated all of his prize money that he received um, to the civil rights movement. At the time, the check was for $54,123. And today that would be the equivalent of $400,000. So he said in his uh, Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right temporarily defeated. This is why right temporarily defeated is stronger than evil triumphant. So the third little known fact about Dr. King is that 
he won a posthumous Grammy award. So uh, posthumous is a fancy word for something that you receive after you have passed away. So one of the <clears throat> most surprising uh, facts is that he won this award uh, after his after his death in 1971, um, and he won it for best spoken word recording for his speech, Why I Oppose the War in Vietnam. And the last little known Black history fact about Dr. King is that the world's greatest orator got a C in public speaking when he was in seminary school. King's father, who was a preacher in Atlanta, thought his son was the best speaker he had ever seen before he went away to seminary school. But in his first year of seminary school in Chester, Pennsylvania, one of his professors gave, actually gave him a C in a public speaking class. Uh, but however, Dr. King, in his third and final year, was the valedictorian of his class, and he had straight A's. And that, my friends, is our four little-known Black history facts about Dr. King. Okay. And let us move on. I like, I like, I like it. Let's run that back. And let us move on. This is where it's at. You can go with this, or you can get with that. You can go with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. I'm going to go with this, but this is kind of that. All right. This is this or that, and we're going to two shows that are very popular in the African-American community, Sanford and Son versus Good Times. This show was popular everywhere. Everybody loved these two shows. Not just black people. You feel me? Yes, but it was most popular in our community. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> You know, both of these so shows... Both the, the creator, I'm sorry, both, both of these shows are the same. Norman Lear, who just died at 100 years old last year. Um, they both were created in the 70s. There were black writers on the show. Fred Sanford brought on... I mean, Red Fox, who played Fred Sanford, brought on a lot of his comedian friends. Like, all those guys that are on the show, Grady, Bubba, um, Woodrow, Esther, were all stand-up comedians um even the uh asian achu who played on uh, happy days too was also brought on to the show um and i think it started in 72 and ended in 76 and then which they one, run, Which one sanford, you talking about? sanford and son and uh yeah was, it was from 72 to 77 both shows 72. ran for five years yeah right but 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 they both had runoffs. I mean, like uh, spinoffs. Spinoffs, yeah. Um, so, and Good Times was from seventy four to seventy nine, but yeah, they were both five years. Yeah. So, 
Um, Which one you gonna go with? I'm gonna have to say Sanford and Son because out of all the characters, I like Red Fox the most. Well, it's interesting that you should say that because I am gonna go with Good Times for several reasons. I would like to say, first of all, I'm going to go, and I love both of these shows. I've watched them growing up and even now, watch the reruns, and they are both hilarious. If you want to laugh, these are two of the best ever. Um, But I'm going to, I think Good Times wins out for me because, number one, it focused on the Evans family, and this was the first time in history that a black nuclear family appeared on television. So I think that's big. And I, and I love what that represents. Um, I also am going to go with good times because at the time when I watched it growing up, I could really relate to, to, to the character Thelma, who was the, um, the daughter in the family. She was the middle child. Um, of course, JJ was the oldest. Michael was the youngest. I could relate to Thelma because, and I, and I always thought that she was so pretty and so talented and she could dance. And, you know, I just, I, I just saw myself in her. And um, I also could relate to Michael, you know, with the black power movement and he was a good student and he was, uh, you, you know, actually my older brother kind of named me after him. He would call me the militant midget. <laughs> After And that's what J.J., I think, called Michael at one point. And, of course, any show that has Janet Jackson on it as a character, you know, she was Penny with the, you know, was about to, was abused by her mom, was about to get burned by the iron in that famous scene when she was like, no, mommy, no. Yes. That's, uh, what's her name? She played on the, Kim Phil's mom. Right. She played played, uh, Janet's mom. Yep. Um, I can't Walona, think of her first Walona. name right now. Walona was good. Bookman was good. I like both of the shows, but I just thought Red Fox commentary against his son and Esther was just hilarious. I have to say, I kind of, although, you know, it became kind of like one of the catchphrases from the show, I cringed a little bit when he would call um, the monk. You a big dummy. I mean, you big dummy. Right. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But I mean, the things that stick out for me with um Sanford and Son is when he used to have, and I can relate to this now. Um, but when he used to have like all the eyeglasses and he would the reading glasses, they would be in all the different drawers. In the drawer, in that one drawer. And he would he would have to do the like bang on it and it, and it will pop over. And that, I just thought that was so funny. I, I thought like the, the main premise of the plot of Sanford and Son was him always trying to get over. Right. And, and it always came to an end where it wouldn't work. You know. Um, right. Yeah. He, he he had to he, this was the the, 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 the idea that was going to finally make them a whole bunch of money. And yeah. <laughs> It was like uh, Gilligan's Island. They finally gonna get off the island. This is the contraption. I remember when he turned he turned his uh, place into a restaurant, <laughs> and I too was parking the cars and crashing all of them. Oh my god, he had all kinds of schemes where he bought yeah. stuff that was supposed to be a big investment, and it turned out to be worthless. And 
all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then in good times, they were just trying to escape the ghetto. Mm-hmm. Capri Project. Excuse me, Caprini Projects was the projects that it was shot in. So Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh is going with good times, and I am going with Sanford and Son. So and let us move on. So our last plug of the day is our podcast, and we're going with Club Shay Shay because of the numbers that it has done. Uh, it will soon cross $50 million. 50 million views threshold. So big up to Club Shay Shay. Uh, new episodes every week. You can check check it out. Shannon Sharp is doing his thing. My friend asked me, why is it Shay Shay? Because Shannon Sharp's name, his first and last, is S-H-A and then S-H-A. So that's why it is Club Shay Shay. All right. And... Let us move on. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Okay, so this is Alaskan Airlines. The doors blow off. Airline. So, um, what? This is crazy. Yeah, it was. So, uh, Alaska Airlines passengers traveling from Portland, Oregon to Ontario, California. On January 5th, endured a terrifying ordeal when their aircraft was rapidly depressurized mid-flight after a door plug blew out from the side of the plane while they were 16,000 feet up in the air. Yeah, they said it was a manufacturing problem. That is crazy. Can you imagine being on a plane and the door is missing and the passengers were complaining about all this cold air, like suddenly rushing into the plane yeah. and people were complaining that um, although the oxygen mask came down, like some of them weren't working. And um, they said in um, articles that I read that thank God nobody was hurt. However, there's some of the passengers that are suing, they're suing Boeing. And I'm, I was surprised by that, that they're, they're not also suing Alaskan Airlines. But the airline... Because they Alaskan, said it was a manufacturing problem. So putting it together, they did something wrong. So Boeing, Right, but there should it, still be safety checks. There might have been safety checks, but if everything passes the safety checks and then they found out that the way they put the plane together, it was just a matter of time. I don't know. Uh, they gave a voucher of $1,500 to every passenger and they refunded their money, which is not good because I think trauma is something. And that, But they were also offering 24-7 uh, access to mental health counseling as well. 
because that is going to be an issue. Like they were saying some of the passengers, when they finally did land, they didn't want to get another flight. They were taking ground transportation to their final destination Yeah, because they were so traumatized, as you might imagine. I will roll on the next one because I'll figure this ain't going to happen twice in a day. <laughs> mm. And they found pieces of the plane, like in somebody's backyard in Portland. And they also found two um, passengers' uh, cell phones uh, that were still working in working condition that fell 16,000 feet from in the, in the sky. Wow. What cell phones were those? It was an iPhone. <laughs> iPhone need to do a commercial, right? They, like, can't, they can't, you know, uh, capitalize off their traumatic experience. I know. I know. Talking about, and, and this was a Boeing 737-9 Max jet. Talking about durability. All right. Yeah. So yeah, they'll get there's it's a class action lawsuit with those passengers against they, they all gonna get something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up, yo. give it up, give it up, gotta give it up. Give it up, give it up. Yeah. Look at the cutie patootie. Okay, so we just gonna give it up to Russell Sierra and that new baby Amora Princess. That's her name, Wilson. Uh, this is their second baby. This is Sierra's third baby. She has one baby. Nope. Fourth. This is the fourth one. Oh, this is she their has, third? This is their third and, uh, and her fourth because she uh, has the one. Yeah, she has the one with Future. His name is Future Zahir. I guess Zahir. Um, he's nine years old. And there's the other three. She has two daughters, uh, you know, uh, Amora Princess and Sienna Princess is six years old. Um, and then she has her son with Russell Wilson. Her His name is uh, Wynn Harrison. He's three years old. I can't believe that little boy. It's three already. It seems like they just had Wynn. But um, yeah, so this makes four. Awesome. So she's 37 years old and he's 35. Did you know she was robbing a cradle? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did. They both look great for their age. She was in the color purple. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Boom. all right. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening to us again. All right. We're going to start with our plugs. Total War Pre Workout Juice. Lifetime Fitness was the brand. Club Shay Shay was the podcast. Words of wisdom came from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. Uh, what's going on? Cat Williams on Club Shay Shay, Jason Whitlock, and Stephen A. Do battle. Taraji P. Henson, underpaid Vivica Fox, a not so great commentary of her situation. And Israeli commits, Israel commits uh, genocide. Um, our little known history facts were four little facts about Martin Luther King um, that my partner gave off. We did a this or that with good times in Sanford and Sam. I all hell know went to Alaska Airlines door disconnecting and we gave it up to Russell William, Will, Russell Wilson and Sierra Wilson had a new baby, Amara Princess Wilson. With that being said, 
Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always, in parting, we wish you love, peace, and knowledge to feed your soul. Knowledge to feed your soul. We will be back next week. Peace. Lord willing, in the creek.